welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Okay, I want to speak this evening about trembling at a time of shaking. How do we live with faith? Uh, at a time of great isolation and great fear in our world. And uh, many people have been getting in touch with, with me and I'm sure many others saying, please, could you tell us, how do we respond as Christians? How do we respond as churches to this current crisis? And um, uh, what do you see God doing? What on earth are we to make of all that's going on? And so uh, I want to say, and this is going to be one of the new normals, if, you, if any of you have loved ones who can't be here because they're in self-isolation or for whatever reason, feel free to hold your phone up and you can FaceTime, uh, broadcast, video, whatever you want. Uh, I'm not going to say anything that can't be broadcast. So feel free to uh, do that. And uh, we're deliberately recording this evening because we're going to distribute this message to uh, many, many people who've been requesting some sense of steer. Uh, And uh, I I do it with a a measure of of, of trepidation. Um, Clearly, uh, we are in a time of great shaking in our world. Uh, now, listen, I, I, I'm nervous of people. Whenever some big event happens in the world, they're very quick to prophesy. They're very quick to announce on social media or wherever else that they've got the great revelation. They've got the word from God. Generally, don't trust anyone who prophesies too quickly. It normally says more about their own need to be important and at the center of things they think are dramatic than anything to do with the seasoned, humble, careful, reverent, uh, listening to the word of God. So I'm not trying to prophesy this evening. Uh, I just simply am going to try and bring a few observations that uh, if they uh, are sustained over coming months and years, uh, then, then maybe I heard something from the Lord. And if they didn't, then once again, Pete Gregg managed to get it spectacularly wrong. Um, clearly, as I say, we are at a time of, of, of enormous shaking at every level uh, in society, every structure that seems secure is in turmoil. And of course, you're expecting me to talk about coronavirus. I will do in just a second. But let's just remember, it isn't just coronavirus. Therefore, enormous and serious as that is, uh, it's more than just that. Our institutions are being shaken at every level. The worlds of politics, of sport, the royal family... Uh, the church, there is shaking. Just this last week, we've had Harvey Weinstein. Uh, we've had um, that cardinal in Australia, Pell. We've had uh, Alex Salmon in, in Scotland. Uh, th- that's just this last week, all sex scandals. In what, what's that? In Hollywood, in politics, uh, and in uh, the, the, the church, tragically. And then our economy globally is being shaken. Uh, the financial markets are in free fall. And uh, this is a slightly younger crowd, and you're probably thinking that's got nothing to do with me. Don't believe it. 
It's got everything. You get, you, we're all going to feel this. We're all going to be affected uh, by, by what's going on in the financial markets, I'm afraid. And um, so uh, it's, it's incredibly serious when you see the Dow Jones and the FTSE plummeting the way they have in the last week. That affects jobs. It affects salaries. It affects everything. And then, as well as our institutions and our economy being shaken, uh, our world is being shaken environmentally with fires uh, because of global warming in Australia and floods here and elsewhere in the world. And then, of course, on top of all of these shakings, we have uh, community and health being shaken through this pandemic and as Christians, and I want to say this absolutely clearly, we are not immune. We are not immune from what happens in the financial markets. We are not immune from viruses. We are part of the world system. And so it's important that we listen to wise counsel uh, from government. Uh, this isn't a time to be all cynical. This is a time to trust our leaders. And if you don't like it, vote for different ones next time. Uh, most of you, I can tell from the way you dress, saying, I didn't vote for these ones this time. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, and it's time for us to listen to the chief medical officer and other institutional uh, authorities. And I'm not going to rehearse their advice. You can see that everywhere you look right now. But it's also, as followers of Jesus, important that a time of shaking, as well as listening to those uh, in, in human authority over us, that we listen to God. We listen to the word of the Lord together with particular diligence. If you're uh, sailing a, a boat on a nice calm day, to be honest, you can pretty much let go of the tiller and sit back and, and crack an, open a, 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 a Pepsi. Uh, but if you are uh, sailing through stormy seas or sailing at great speed, you hardly dare twitch because the tiniest movement can have profound effect. And we are in a storm moving at speed. I, I, I have... I think about eight meetings tomorrow, and most of them, one way or another, revolve around uh, the coronavirus. We are moving at speed. And so we need to listen to the Lord and trust him as never before. Um, today's headlines, just today, the Sunday Telegraph says, industry has been placed on a war footing. The Daily Mail uh, says, oh no, sorry, the Mirror, I beg your pardon, it's war on the virus. And so there is language, this is like a war, this is like a battle. But let's remember as the people of Jesus, Ephesians chapter 6, that says our battle is not against COVID-19. It's not against flesh and blood, but it is against principalities and powers in high places. In other words, as in the natural realm, so in the supernatural realm. So if there's a shaking in the natural realm, and clearly there is, there is a shaking in the supernatural realm too. And I believe that out of this shaking, we are going to see generational change and transition come. Uh, it painfully, it is time for certain things to die. And it is time for new things to be brought to life. And it is going to come through this shaking. Now, some of those things are very natural. I was talking to one of my neighbors uh, just earlier 
by the way, good thing to do at a time where they're trying to stop us uh, going near anybody. And, and he, he was talking about his own business and, and the impact of this on, on, on them. And he said, one thing's for sure, he said, I was talking to someone very senior in BA. They're not just trying to get through this crisis and we will see more airlines go bust. We've already seen one. Uh, probably American Airlines, uh, FT was saying this week. But uh, they're saying they believe that people's habits are going to change in terms of flying, uh, which is obviously a a good thing. Uh, You know, people are... uh, I was talking to some member member of this church who runs um, events for massive organizations, like the most famous organizations in the world, and he was just saying one, uh, I, this isn't confidential, I can, there's no reason I can't say this. He's saying Google. So he does a thing for Google. Uh, uh, and every year they have 25,000 people at a conference that goes from L.A. to London to somewhere else, Tokyo or somewhere. And this year they're just going to do one in L.A. And they are, they are broadcasting it with the most innovative digital technology that they've ever used. This is Google. And so new technologies, new models of working are going to come out of this. I could go on. We're going to see change in the culture as a result of this, which is going to go on for months. And uh, most of the experts seem to say we're going to have to get used to more uh, of these viruses coming through. This isn't a one-off, just get through this and back to normal. But as in the natural realm, so in the supernatural realm, there is a shaking and a changing. We're going to see businesses go bust, but new ones thrive. But we're also going to see uh, ministries go down, and we're going to see new ones rise up through uh, what is happening right now. And that was, wasn't particularly prophetic. I know many people who lead all sorts of big events, and some of them are just on the edge of bankruptcy because of cancellation of events and all the rest of it. And so there is a great shaking on earth and in heaven. And um, uh, Psalm 46 is a great one to go to at a time of shaking. Uh, it says this, God is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. That's practical. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. By the way, this is pretty dramatic language. This is the psalmist like, what is the scariest, most dramatic thing in an age long before CGI I can possibly imagine? So, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I mean, if he was writing a film score here, it's dun, 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 boom, you know. Even if all of that stuff happens, and then he goes, now here, suddenly how the score changes. The violins come in. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy place. We've got a flute at this point. The holy place where the Most High dwells. Tweet, tweet, of birds. God is within her. She will not fail. Uh, God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Dan, 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 dan. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. Drum roll. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When the world shakes, it's important to return to the foundations, the simple things, the essence of what we know is 
true. The fundamentals, the absolute realities of life. And for us as Christians, there are basically three things we believe. And uh, the essence of it all is love. This is love. God is love. And it's three particular expressions of God's love. First of all, we give love back to God. So it's loving God with all our hearts. Secondly, it's loving one another. It's loving the church. Uh, I meet some people who hate the church, who've been hurt by the church. Uh, Listen, you can't change the church unless you love her. And uh, the third love is for those who are not Christians, who are nowhere near the church. It's love for the world, love for the lost, love for our neighbors, and so on. And sometimes people formulate that as the great commission and the great commandment. The great commandment is... Remember that guy comes to Jesus, says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's refreshing, isn't it? Jesus could do a soundbite when he needed to. Didn't have to. He didn't say go and study theology for three years. He's like, yeah, I can do this, and then we'll have coffee. It's very easy. And yet it'll take you your whole life and cost you everything. And then, so that's the great commandment. And then you just add on the great commission, Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel. You know, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And I am with you always, even at the very end of the age. Great commandment, great commission. Love God, love your neighbor, love the lost. Bang, that's it. So at a time of shaking, where you're probably going, ah, come back to those simple bass notes. So let's think about those. First of all, how do we love God at a time that's really scary and a time of great crisis. When the world is shaking, we must remind ourselves that God does not. That he is not scared. He is in charge. He is, to use the theological term, sovereign. That does not mean that God has sent this. That's not what he's like. Look at Jesus. It does mean that he has permitted it clearly. And you say, God, why on earth did you not flick a switch and stop coronavirus? And that, there's, that's a complex question, which another time I'd love to have a complex conversation with any of you about. And, and I make a stab at it in a book I wrote called God on Mute about free will and human choice and various other things. But I will say this. God has permitted this ultimately because resurrection beats crucifixion. Because no matter how ghastly what we are entering into right now, and it is going to be ghastly, it is going to affect every single one of us. It's going to affect every person we care about and we love, one way or another. No matter how ghastly, our faith says greater good will come out of it. And uh, so we keep focusing on him and we trust in him. God is our refuge and our strength. We believe he is in charge. Who knows what the most common commandment in the Bible is? Exactly. Don't be afraid. Again and again, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. What do you think God might be saying to us right now? Don't be afraid. And you say, it's all very well for you. It's quite scary down here. Every time I switch on the TV, every time I go on social media, it's scary. And his great response is, well, don't be scared. Do not be afraid. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, 
perfect love casts out or drives out fear. I love the violence of that. Sometimes we think love is just sort of sweet and nice. But this is love in hobnail boots. This is love that kicks out fear. Do you know fear has to be treated pretty aggressively? This, this is Jesus cleansing the temple, love. He casts out. Who knows that fear gets a grip on you, gets a hold on you. It has to be driven out. It has to be cast out. And the weird thing here is that, uh, is that it is love that does that. So I want to encourage you in this season, make sure that as well as focusing on the scary stuff, because like we're not called to hide from facts, but also... If you want to stay balanced, focus on the good stuff that is equally true and I would say ultimately true. And uh, that means you're probably going to have more time over the next few weeks. Uh, talking to a student this morning, Glasgow University, everything cancelled till the summer. And so she's back, she's got to watch a few lectures online and that's kind of it. Uh, you're probably going to have more time over the next few months. Don't waste it. Take it as a gift and an opportunity. Push into worship in a new way. That's one way you can love God with all your heart in this new season. Get into that Christian book that you've been meaning to read forever. Might be one of mine. Just pretend, you know, <laughs> pretend. Recently I found out that the national director of 24-7 prayer hadn't read Red Moon Rising, which is like our textbook. It's second only to the Bible. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, but, 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 you know, maybe you finally are going to have the time to read the book we've been promoting called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Can I just say, maybe that teaching series was preparing you for a supernaturally unhurried season of your life. Celebrate all that's good. Beautiful, hopeful. Place assurances from Scripture on weird little post-it notes or on your screensaver or whatever around the house. We got a lovely email. If you if you're on the church database, you received an email from me this week, and uh, some of what I'm saying this evening I put in that email to you. Um, and I'm partly rehashing it because I assume that only 10% of people read the email that they, uh, my boys, I have to text them and say, could you read your emails? And they look at me like, what a weird thing to do, but all right then. Uh, so um, if you didn't, don't worry. But one of the things I share in that is we've got this lovely message from a follower of Jesus in Wuhan, China. Uh, who is on her, was when she wrote this, on her 48th day locked down in her tiny family apartment. And she said this, here is good news from the epicenter of the coronavirus. Our family life has never been better. We've learned how to accept things from other people. Spring here is absolutely stunning. My cooking has got way more creative. We take naps in the middle of the day. Who thinks that sounds quite nice? <laughs> Ruthless elimination of Harry. We've all been reading so much more. We had church by Zoom this morning. There you go, Claire. Claire's going to help us work out how to do all this stuff. 
Coronavirus wants you to isolate, she says, and stack, stock up and take care of your own first. Instead, look to him first, whilst you take care of others first. Then she says, in community, we can do so much more than we can do on our own. Eugene Peterson, you know, that wonderful old guy who, who you know, did a translation of the Bible called The Message, wrote a, a brilliant book called Under the Unpredictable Plant. It's a study of Jonah, the, the story of Jonah in the Bible. And in it, he talks about the gift of confinement. And, and he's talking about Jonah in the belly of, 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 the, of, of the sea monster, you know. Uh, and and he, he, he focuses in on this word, word ascesis, for, for confinement. And I, I, I share this insight with you because some of us are going to be confined. Uh, some of us are going to have to self-isolate, almost certainly. Uh, over coming weeks so maybe this will just stick in in your mind or maybe you're listening online and you are in isolation Eugene Peterson says this without confinement without the intensification resulting from compression there is no energy worth speaking of confined to the reality of the human condition the person is surprised to be living not a diminished life but a deepened life, not a crippled life, but a zestful life. Can I suggest that email from that sister in Christ in Wuhan, confined for 48 days in her apartment, is the sign not of a diminished life, but a deepened life, not a crippled life, but a zestful life. And we know the writings, many of the writings of St. Paul, St. John, Martin Luther King, Alexander Solzhenitsyn came from prison, you know, and, and these were gifted people who probably, if they weren't in prison, would be out doing all this radical, amazing stuff we'd never have heard of. But they were confined. Boy, it must have been frustrating. And yet out of that confinement, they wrote words that changed the world for generations. In a very, very small way, and, and this is, I'm not for a single millisecond comparing myself to any of these guys, but, you know, it was when my wife Sammy got very, very sick that I, I and I, I wasn't, I was primary carrying our kids suddenly, so I, I wasn't able to travel and speak at all these conferences and all this stuff, and and yet God was doing incredible things with the 24-7 movement. So I thought, well, I might as well just write them down as I can't travel around and talk about them. And I wrote them down in this book called Red Moon Rising. And I remember when the publisher said, we want to put this out, I was like, this is going to sell like three copies. No one reads a book about a prayer movement. That's the weirdest thing to read a book about. Like, even my mum will only get halfway through that. But, but then they offered me money for it. And I, I was like, money? I don't have money. Great. And, 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 and I, I, that was why, I, I'm just being honest, I, was, I needed some money uh, to, to buy nappies and stuff. And so I wrote it, and, and then that's gone all over the world, and it's still selling fast, and it's in I don't know how many languages. And God used it to catalyze something. I was restricted in the belly of a whale. <laughs> and sometimes you're changing nappies, it smelt like that. <laughs> but God used that confinement to do something greater. Don't waste 
your confinement. Use it. Love God. How do I love God if I'm in isolation for a while? Next, we are called at a season of great shaking, not just to love God, but love one another. It's interesting, isn't it, that the kind of icons of coronavirus are a mask over your face, so you can't really see facial expressions. It's like elbow bumping, you know, because we can't shake hands or hug anymore. Uh, it's it's this phrase, self-isolation, that none of us had really ever used before. And so this virus is hitting at community in a profound way at a time I think we need one another more than ever. And into this, the book of Hebrews says, let us consider how we may, this is chapter 10, verses 24 to 25 of Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we're going to continue holding Sunday services until the government tells us to stop. Clearly, if you are unwell, you need to self-isolate for a while, or if you've been connected with someone who's very unwell, and we would endorse that, encourage that, and we are going to work out how to live stream our services to you. And uh, we, uh, Claire doesn't know this, but this afternoon I hatched a plan for how we could even just have one, one collective. The church is one collective, and we just broadcast out to everyone else's collectives. And then if we can't even meet in collectives anymore, we'll broadcast to your family. Ultimately, we'll broadcast to you sitting on your own in your loo, if necessary. But we're going to find ways of staying connected. If you haven't filled in a Get Connected form, this isn't just like a spam trick by the church to try and get your personal data. We're not that organized, and we don't really care. Uh, It's just simply a way of needing to be connected. And this is the Sunday you must do it because we don't know how many more Sundays like this we may even have uh, in this way for a while. So please, and if you have to self-isolate for a while, don't just, you know, talk to your doctor. Phone your collective leader. Phone one of the leaders in the church because we want to know. If you're in self-isolation, because we, even when you're self-isolated, we don't want you to get isolated. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to help you practically. Like if you need food brought, you know. I mean, obviously, if you're phoning three times a day demanding chocolate milkshakes and KFC, we may eventually draw the line. But we're nice. We're just not that nice. You know, we want to help you in any way that we possibly uh, can and we are uh, determined we're looking at all sorts of things Uh, you'll have seen that we just took communion in a different way Um, and I don't know about you I found it very tricky to take the right lid of the bread bit off and but these are individually hermetically sealed you know completely virus free ways of uh, celebrating community we are going to try and get into this ridiculous elbow bumping thing and I don't want anyone to feel pressured to shake hands or to hug it is not just you're not being rude if you say actually no if someone tries to hug you or shake your hand you're not being rude in fact you're probably being thoughtful Uh, it's not just about not wanting to get something it's also sometimes about not wanting to give something so uh, for a while we will go there 
but this horrible th feeling that it might stick and then in 300 years time everyone anyway let's hope not um, you know at, at, at Emmaus services when we serve pastries they're now in wrappers uh, and we're not serving the ones that people can uh, touch uh, tomorrow morning we are looking at every single activity of the church and traffic lighting it and uh, some are going to stop for a while and some uh, green light ones, we're like, we cannot stop that. We're called to be the people of God. Even at a time like this, we're not stopping. We're not backing off. We're going to keep doing them as long as we possibly can. And um, uh, <coughs> excuse me, by the way, I, I don't have it. That was just a cough. <laughs> um, uh, and then some are amber. And uh, we are also hatching a, a, a pretty robust strategy for pastoral support, aware that lots of people are going to need it. Um, and uh, um, we, 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 we will try and be there for you, whatever happens. Um, can I uh, just uh, encourage you to, to, to invest into relationships, especially if you get uh, isolated? Uh, organize hangouts online. Write letters. Play board games. Do devotionals as part of, you know, not just loving God but loving one another because the great thing if you use, say, the Lexio 365 app is you're doing it with 45,000 other people. It's very personal but it's very big. Uh, or, or you could use the Light the Fire devotional. You'll have time for this. And finally, so I've said love God, love one another. And this is also a time, I believe, for loving the lost, for loving other people, for obeying the Great Commission. The truth is the people all around us are suddenly asking the questions we've longed for them to be asking for years. They are now asking those questions because uh, everything that previously seemed secure is being shaken. Health, economy, jobs, normal routines. People are going to have time to think. We had 30 people on uh, our Alpha Day yesterday. People gave their lives to the Lord yesterday. Had supernatural encounters with the Holy Spirit uh, yesterday. The Lord is on the move. Uh, David Yagnazar, uh, you know, is a member of this church. And uh, with uh, Elam, the ministry he heads up, supporting uh, millions of people in, in Iran and, and th thousands of leaders he said this, we have seen an increase in evangelism since the spread of the coronavirus. Remember, Iran is one of the greatest hotspots of, uh, of corona uh, uh, in the world. He said, uh, as well as an increase in evangelism, we've seen an increased response to the gospel and even an increase in the miraculous. What an opportunity to call believers to action. Jesus says to us, love your neighbor and that is literal and practical and there's never been a better time to do it uh, i'm sure you're all uh, familiar with the uh, plague that came to the city of carthage in the year 215 a.d uh, but it was it was genuinely uh, really uh, very terrible Carthage is, is it was one of the great cities of the ancient worlds like New York City today or something like that and in modern day Tunisia and from this plague we are told its citizens were shuddering 
fleeing and shunning the contagion. That, that language feels actually pretty familiar to what we're experiencing now. Carcasses were piling up in the streets. And against this backdrop, the great church father Cyprian uh, stood up to preach on Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. And in his message, he urged the Christians not to flee the city, but to stay and to care not just for one another, love one another, but to care for those who weren't Christians. And now this is the important thing. Just before this plague, there had been a thing called the Diocletian persecution in which Christians had been terribly persecuted. So Cyprian was saying, now the plague has come. Stay and show Christ's love to those who were killing you and attacking you and hating you before. Quite a message. Don't make them like that anymore, eh? And so the Christians did. And um, Rodney Stark, in a fascinatingly titled book, it's called something like Epidemics and the Rise of Christianity. I bet he's suddenly getting some sales. He says this, the minority Christian community in Carthage, which did not flee but stayed to provide nursing, had a higher survival rate than their pagan neighbors. And the pagans who had been nursed through the crisis by Christians were likely to be open to a faith that, unlike their own, had worked. That's the key. Our faith is going to be proven through this shaking because it works. See, what is COVID-19 attacking? First of all, it is attacking the vulnerable, the sick, the elderly, and those uh, who have, you know, pre-existent uh, uh, medical conditions. Those are the people that are closest to the kingdom of heaven, read the Beatitudes. It's going after the weak. As a reasonably healthy, middle-aged man, I can't just go, well, I think I'm going to be right, Jack, because this thing is going after the people that Jesus loves the most. I mean, I know he loves everyone, but you understand he has a special passion for the vulnerable and the weak and the scared. So I, I don't like this thing, <laughs> obviously. What else? Well, it spreads through breathing. It attacks breathing. I just wonder whether this is a time for us to breathe the breath of God more than ever before. And I tell you this, if you stand within two meters of God, let him breathe all over you. You breathe it in because you will only get health and life from the breath of God, the ruach, the spirit of God. This is a time to be filled with the Spirit of God more than ever before. What else? COVID-19 is attacking community and relationships and touch. And so this is a time we must love one another and stick together as never before. It's interesting when you look at the history of revivals, I'm just coming into land now, but when you look at the history of revivals, you find the sociology of awakenings is fascinating. I've, not, I've studied many of them. You don't find an awakening moment in anywhere in history that was not preceded 
by some major social trauma. Every time. It never, uh, an awakening never just comes sort of out of the blue. Uh, if, we, if we take the 1906 Azusa Street, you know, thing that was the birth of the charismatic Pentecostal movement that multiple millions have been swept into the kingdom through. There were earthquakes in Los Angeles just before that happened that destabilized, that shook the whole culture and suddenly people asking questions. What is, what is safe and secure in life? If we take the 1949 to 1953 Hebridean awakening, uh, which I'm particularly passionate about. One of the people who came to Christ in that awakening said to me, you know, you look at the studies, they in the 1939 to 1945 Second World War had lost a disproportionate number of young men. They had, everyone was hurt, but they had lost an incredibly high ratio. Everyone was aware of eternity and they'd attended too many funerals and they were grieving. That's the sociological backdrop to the greatest awakening uh, that has rocked the British Isles uh, in subsequent years. And um, if we look at uh, China, in 1949, Chairman Mao expelled all the missionaries. And there were less than a million Christians in China at that point through the extraordinary ministry of people like Hudson Taylor and Watchman Nee and so on. And the missionaries who were expelled from China with communism persecuting religion were convinced they were going to see the church struggle and decline. I don't think anyone thought it would die. Everyone trusted Jesus, but they, they, it was like... It was like all the leadership of mayor suddenly being removed. And, and you might think, well, we might, I hope you might, in a way, you might think we might struggle a little bit, but actually the opposite happened. And uh, the church began to grow in the most extraordinary way. And by uh, uh, the year 2010, from less than a million in 1949, there were at least 60 million Christians in communist China and within 10 years of this moment, without doubt, the greatest Christian nation on earth will be communist China. There'll be more Christians in China than in America. And so don't underrate what God can do through a time of shaking. Because old things have to die, but new things always get born he doesn't send the trauma but sometimes he permits it knowing the agony of good friday because he has staked his life and his death on resurrection life all over again and so um, this is the pattern we're at a moment i believe not just of great danger and it is dangerous it's important that we uh, take care of ourselves, we take care of the vulnerable, we wash our hands, we do all that stuff. I, I've said that throughout. It's also a dangerous time spiritually, and so we need to pray, we need to be on our guard, we need to contend in prayer. But uh, you, you'll be familiar with this, that in, China, in Chinese, the, the word for crisis is two characters. One spells danger and the other spell, spells opportunity. And this is a time of danger, but I want to be absolutely categorical. This is a time of opportunity for the church of Jesus 
Christ. This is not a time to ride out the storm, hunker down and hide out. This is a time to push in and to contend because you might just find this is the catalytic point that we have needed to destabilize a culture that is bowing down to false idols. We need a few of them to fall off their pedestals and shatter so that a disorientated people look up and say, where is the God that I can trust? Where is the name that can be a rock and a fortress to me in a world that no longer feels safe? And we can step into the vacuum and say, his name, ma'am, his name is Jesus Christ. And so this is a time to push in. The enemy always overshoots himself. Jesus is calling us to love God, love our neighbors, and love the lost at this time. And that might be really practical. I've circulated on that email a little email, uh, a little letter that our friend Ness Wilson wrote for the people in her street, just to put through doors saying, I'm here for you, and if I can do any shopping for you, uh, and you could just uh, copy that, personalize it, uh, and I just challenge you, this is part of what pushing in right now is, is personalize it and go and put it through the doors of people in your street and just say, anything I can do, I'm here to serve you. That's how you can be like respond to Cyprian's message in Carthage and say, I'm going to stay and care for people. When you needed it, I was there for you. And, and don't miss this opportunity. It is dangerous, but it is an opportunity. So in conclusion, let's love God instead of giving in to fear. Let's trust him. Secondly, let's love one another instead of getting isolated. If you have to self-isolate, don't become isolated. And let us love our community at a time of shaking because we know Jesus has promised never to leave us and never to forsake us. And they do not have that promise or that security yet. Jesus uh, says to us in these beautiful ancient world, words, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Isn't that gorgeous? And because we know that the Lord has promised to make all things, even this crisis, even this season of shaking, to make all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. What a beautiful hope we have. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I'm, I'm cautious and I'm concerned and I'm carrying people in my heart right now. Uh, there are people I'm, I'm really burdened for. I'm prayerful. I, I, I'm washing my hands. I'm doing the stuff. But I also feel a rising excitement. It's like when a storm comes, you know it's dangerous but there's something in you that comes alive because this could just be the moment that we have been longing for. This could be the wardrobe that takes us into a new space. This could be the, the fire that creates the ashes from which new life arises. This could be the beginning of everything we've longed for. So let's push in, guys. Let's love God with all our hearts. Let's love one another as never before. And let us be committed to other people. At a time that the world is isolating, it's time for the people of God to lay our lives down for others as never before. Amen? Amen. Great.
Here ends the message. I hope there's something useful in there for each one of you. Um, let's just be great to get the band back. I'd love just to ask the Holy Spirit to come amongst us now, aware that there will be fear in the room and that many of us will be carrying uh, different people, different situations in our hearts. And I'd just love to invite the the Spirit of God to come and, and bring the love of God into our lives that casts out fear.